Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tori. I'm Tracy. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you from believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time today. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, housewives, welcome back. Hey, hey. We are so excited to have another great podcast for you. Going to be full of encouragement and it's going to sound and look a little different. But before we dive in, Tori's going to read a quick review. Okay. This one is from Shush Girl titled Best Podcast. I love this podcast. The girls are so real and you will feel like you're hanging out with your girls. Love it. Thank you so much for that review. And if you would like your review to be read on next week, you have to leave one. So be sure to leave a five-star review for us. Yeah. All right. Well, we are here. Today's podcast is going to have a different feel. (laughs) Shaking it up. Yep, we are. We're shaking it up. Um, I'm going to actually interview Tori as if she were my guest on the podcast and help her share her personal journey with depression, really to encourage others um, who've experienced these feelings and especially some that maybe have experienced them for the first time over the last two years, or maybe they've been dealing with it for a long time. But before we jump in, I do want to have a disclaimer. This is my personal story and is for informational purposes only. We are not doctors and this does not replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should always consult with a physician or healthcare professional first. Okay. So all that to say, we have a story to share. And before we get started, I just want to say this was not like a topic we were going to do. This was not a podcast. This was not what was going to be how we approached this topic. Um, we know depression, anxiety, all of these feelings and emotions and things that we are so much more current. They're so much more relevant right now. And we were going to talk about these topics. We didn't know how. We didn't know if we were going to bring a guest on. We didn't know how we were going to present this information to our audience to help you feel that you are not alone. And as we started talking and what we've been going through in the last two weeks here, and we're in February, it's very snowy currently and cold. We actually sat down to talk about it, and this actually is what unfolded, was more of Tori's personal story, and we knew that this was relatable, and this would absolutely bring her some healing in sharing her story, but also give you the connection that you need in the season that you're in. So let's get started, Tori. Let's start from the beginning. When did you start experiencing sadness? So for me, it started when I was pregnant with Juliet, my second. My girls are 17 months apart. I always like to say it's like having twins, but not getting credit for it. Yes. <laughs> and so I was going for one of my OB appointments and I was experiencing the anxiety and this feeling of sadness, of like overwhelm, of I couldn't 
accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish in a day. And that's not only tough when you have a seven month old, eight month old. So that's when I started the conversation. And simply it was just like, this is how I'm feeling. And she was like, absolutely normal, especially normal since you're having, you know, your body didn't even get a chance to reset itself. Sure. After your first baby. So she prescribed me with a pregnancy safe one uh, medication, Zoloft. Okay. Before we jump into that a little bit more, go back to when you were explaining to her what you were feeling. What are those feelings? Like, what were you thinking and feeling? Because someone is going to be able to nod and say, yeah, I've felt that. For me, it was twofold. The anxiety I would feel when I started to think about the future of, oh my goodness, how am I going to handle two babies? How am I going to do this? I don't even know what I'm doing now. Like, it would put me into a season of overwhelm. And then when I was so overwhelmed, I would become paralyzed. And it was difficult to be productive in the things that obviously when you have an eighth month old, nine month old, like you really can spend the entire day just cuddling that baby on the couch. That is totally allowed, I guess. But what I was feeling was that was the only thing I could do at the time because anything else took too much energy, too much feeling. And it started with a feeling of, I felt I was lazy. And it was not just, I don't have the energy, but it was just like, there was that shame and that guilt of, oh my gosh, I need to be doing laundry. I need to be doing this. All the things that I needed to be doing. And it was, no, I felt lazy for not doing it. So when I brought it up to my OB, she was like, okay, let's back this up. We're going to separate this. She goes, you're clearly feeling anxious because that's what's triggering you into the feelings of sadness. And then let's see if this medication will help you. Okay. So you started on the medication while you were pregnant. How pregnant were you? I think I was like four or five months pregnant. And how did it, did it help you right away? Uh, no. Antidepressants don't work right away. It is something that your body has to ease into it, not necessarily with the dosage, but it builds up into your system to help your body make those chemicals. So it's not like a quick fix by any means. She's like, you're going to feel the same for probably two to three weeks. After that, some of the heaviness should be lifted. And for me at the time, it was. And she said, if it is not after two or three weeks, then we need to increase the dosage. And that's kind of when you learn that you're depressed or when you figure that out, the best thing that you can do for yourself is become very body aware, Mm -hmm. very mentally and emotionally aware of what not only triggers you, but what affects you, what doesn't affect you, how your medication affects you. And so it's kind of, that's a learning curve, but the best thing you can do for yourself is become body aware. Okay. So you're pregnant. You have started this. Did they diagnose you with say postpartum depression from after having your first, or was this just general, we're going to work on these feelings and see if this helps you? I don't think it ever was diagnosed like this is postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Basically what I think, I know that's what it was, but there wasn't ever like a clinical title to that. Okay. Now my OB explained to me, she goes, this very well could be seasonal Like once you have your second baby and get through, your body starts to reset, you know, you might be able to get off this medication. She also said, you might not. It just, every body is different. And she just said, so let's be aware of that. Being on medication is not something that I want. Nobody says, oh yeah, let's get on another medication. But 
I knew that, okay, if I just take this one day at a time, you know, and see how I can help myself, then we'll go from there. Okay. So you're feeling better. You said three weeks, four weeks. Did you turn a corner? I did. I did turn a corner. I had the feeling of laziness subsided, the feelings of anxiousness. I could think about the future, about what having the second baby in our life was going to look like, feel like without completely shutting down and going, oh my God, I can't think about this. So it definitely did its job Mm -hmm. at the time. So you're obviously married and have a toddler and you're pregnant. Well, not a toddler yet. Still a baby. Still a baby. (laughs) Still a baby. And you are experiencing these things. Obviously, that was years ago. Can Mm -hmm. you give the audience here a perspective of how you were communicating this with Andrew? I wasn't. (laughs) And how did that go? (laughs) Not great. I actually didn't really start communicating things with Andrew till probably a about a year, a year or two ago. And that's on me because my thought was, I told my husband I'm on antidepressants. He should get it. Like, no, nobody gets it. Nobody, if it is not something that they have been through and have experienced themselves, you don't understand what the feeling is. And there's so many stigmas. Like people think of depression and anxiety. Like they think of anxiety as in a panic attack, right? So that's what people automatically think about anxiety. And it's the resting of thoughts. It's the, oh my God, oh my God, I can't do this. Da, 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 da. And then they think of depression automatically as if you're suicidal, which not all depression is. So you can absolutely be depressed. I never once thought about hurting myself since having depression. Never once, ever. I have never once thought about hurting my children or anyone else. Mm-hmm. I still have depression. But when I started to communicate with Andrew, it wasn't in one conversation either. Like I, you know, even just recently and why we're doing this podcast now is because the last couple of weeks have been a season for me of depression because you're not, once you're on medication and a dosage that works, it's not just a fix all. Like you're not automatically fine for the rest of your life. You're going to have days, you may have weeks, you may have months. And so I've gotten better giving him a heads up, like, hey, I'm having a tough time with this. And he's so much better than I gave him credit for of why I didn't explain things. What you're saying is you wanted to just keep it to yourself. Right. You isolate yourself because you think that one, you're the only person dealing with it and that, well, I'm an Enneagram seven. I'm a personality blue. Like, You guys have seen me on this podcast. You can tell right now, actually, my voice is very different. I'm not on. And there's a different feeling with it. Yeah. And for people who know you can tell. Like I could tell a couple days ago. Right. And that's good. But it's... But for people who don't talk about it... Yeah. It becomes, uh, well, she's just in a bad mood. They'll think it's PMS. They'll think it's hormones. They'll think that you've had a bad day. Or they... If it's a longer season of depression, people will take it personally. What did I do? Did Mm -hmm. I say something to offend her? Did I say something to upset her? And, you know, I I don't share my, well, (laughs) I hadn't, hadn't shared my depression. I don't tell everybody when I'm in a season of depression. I don't. It's not something that, you know, it's like, hey, on my Facebook post is, all right, guys, feeling a little depressed these days. So Mm -hmm. don't take it personal. 
you just don't do that. That's why like you never know what somebody else is going through. Yeah, that oh, exactly. You never know what someone else is going through or what they've gone through in the past that you know, they've overcome. And obviously that's why we're talking about it because you've overcome it numerous times in seasons of life and then revisit it again. And that's why we were here. So, okay, let's go back to, you've been on the medication, second baby's born, kind of go through life a little bit and tell us the next season. So the next season for me was after Juliet was about one and I don't know if any other mother can relate to this, but you tried to lose the baby weight. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Maybe just a little. Four times. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And the medication that I was on, I said earlier, I believe Zoloft. Zoloft was what I was on, is known for making it harder to lose weight. So knowing that I was not pregnant, that I was done nursing at the time, I talked to my OB about switching medications. And when you are switching antidepressants, that's a very fragile thing and slow process to do. So I switched to one and it did not, uh, I think I was on Wellbutrin first, Wellbutrin. And I felt worse. Like I was crying at a Bible study. I was, I would call Andrew saying, I, I like, I can't handle this. I can't do this. And he's like, that's okay. Just sit down for the next two hours. You're okay. And then he's like, and then we'll, we'll talk. And so like little seasons of that, because it's an up and down because your body's trying to regulate itself with the chemicals. And I remember in the season of trying to switch medications, I was actually on my way. It was an evening event for our company and it was about 30 minutes north of where we lived in McKinney. And it's just, I mean, straight up 75. If you just, you pass nothing, you're straight on your way to Oklahoma. I remember having a conversation with myself that night about, I could just keep driving. I I could just keep driving and get away from it all. With and nowhere to go. Nowhere to just go. Just drive away from it all. Drive away from it all. And I told myself, eventually the girls would forgive me. Andrew may not forgive me and I would just have to, that would be hard. But okay. And I thought about, okay, I could get some money out of the bank account and then I would just figure it out. And I would just live in a, go to a small town where I could just be by myself and I could have the car for a while. And, and I mean, I literally started going through every single process of what, what would I do next? Where would I go? What, and just an escape, just an escape. And that's, I, I was, all you want to do is numb out. And for me, When I'm in a season of depression, and I would say I have moderate depression, it is all I want to do is numb out. I will wake up and the first thing I think about is, okay, do what you got to do, take care of the fam. And I think about when is the next time I can get back into bed because I can just sleep. I, I can just sleep it away and numb out that way. And to finish that story, I making that turn off. To go to the event where I was in public with people and I saw friends, dear friends, they had no idea. And I just slapped a smile on my face and it was, yep, I'm here. But that was like a real like, holy crap moment. And I still remember it to this day, but it's definitely a thought. Did you still seek, I mean, at this point, were you still seeking 
you know, help? Did you go to a different doctor or this was just... So after this, I called my OB and I said, this medication is not working. So we switched. We switched to Cymbalta. Um, Cymbalta actually made me feel much better. And that was the season I was in for Cymbalta. We played with the dosage a little bit and I regulated. Then after getting the suggestion from my mom and my mother-in-law, their concern was an OB is not who you should go to for antidepressants. And again, I started because it was postpartum. Mm -hmm. And so I said, sure. Okay. I'll find a psychiatrist. So I found a psychiatrist, very lovely old Jewish lady. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm talking to her, telling her what I'm going through. And she says, okay, sure. Well, we're going to try this. Because I was feeling better, but I was still not 100%. Like everything was just flat. There was no emotion on things. There was no high. There was no low, but it was just an unnumb effect. And so I walked out of there with three prescriptions. Oh, wow. Yeah. And while that is not what the intent was, I didn't go in there thinking that I was going to have three. I was like, okay. I. It was almost as if I was validated and it was like this like, okay, what I am feeling is real. I do have this issue. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And with those three medications, were they different antidepressants? Was one a... So she recommended a combination. She said that sometimes Cymbalta does not... People who have an issue with Wellbutrin by itself, if they combine it with Cymbalta, that they actually have a better effect. And that is what I I got. Um, So I started on those two as regulars. And then for the really tough days, the days that were harder than others, the days that I would get to an anxious point to feel overwhelmed and then be paralyzed, um, she gave me Xanax to use as needed. So again, everything's a season. Once you're prescribed something, it's not always going to be the same thing. That was a Texas doctor. And since coming to Kansas, I have found another psychiatrist, obviously. And I've worked with him on dosages, on things, messing with levels. And can we try this because I'm feeling these side effects or is this a side effect? And you're your own science experiment. Mm -hmm. But again, if you're not body aware, you're not going to be able to tell a difference. So the best thing that you can do for yourself is learn how to be very intentional about what you're feeling and what it's like. I have two questions, so I'm going to say them both so I don't forget, and okay. we'll, we'll address one. So the first question is going to be that I want to come back to is, obviously, we've talked a lot about medication. You've been on this journey for a while, nine years now? Eight years. Eight years. Okay. So in the meantime, there have been a lot of things that you've done to take care of yourself. You've learned so much more about health and wellness and gut health and just centralizing things mm-hmm. and taking care of stuff. So I would love to touch on that in a little bit, just so that people see you continued to do all the things to take care of yourself. But you touched on something about being in Texas and being in Kansas. Well, you haven't talked about how you also lived in Baltimore and you were dealing with all of this in every move. Is that correct? Yeah. I The move to Baltimore was before kids. So I definitely think that I went through a season of sadness and probably like low depression at that point too, because not knowing anybody and figuring out how to start over. I can relate to that. Yeah. (laughs) And... Also, too, Baltimore winters went very much like in Texas, we'll get cloudy days. It may be cloudy like for two or three days, but after that, it's usually 70. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what Texas is. But when it comes to Kansas, we will get 
like weeks at a time of snowy and dreary and things like that. That definitely has an effect on me. It's also known as seasonal effect disorder, Mm -hmm. I believe. I could be completely wrong, but it's called SAD. And there are things that I have learned how to do or things that benefit me on that. Like there's a light that I have in my bathroom that is like a thousand lumens or something ridiculous, but that is to help with the lack of sunshine and the lack of vitamin D. And, mm-hmm. and I have noticed a difference in that, but I mean, but that, that was a learning thing I had to learn here in Kansas, yeah. like moving up here and like all of February is practically gray mm-hmm. and it's going, okay, how can I do better? It's better than Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> we have Seattle. sunshine. We have sunshine here. Yeah. At least. I mean, when we lived in Chicago, it was so weeks without the sun shining. Yeah. It's very gray. Those are things that I know, like, you know, if Andrew ever said, Hey, we're going to move to Seattle. I said, you have fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be here. Yeah. I'll be Uh, back in Florida. I'll be in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. If we're just going to live apart, we might as well. I might as well just go the other direction. So that has definitely been something that I have learned and recognized since becoming more educating myself on what affects me and what doesn't. The gut health thing. One of the things that I got into after I was diagnosed and started per medication, I was introduced to gut health products and I did see a benefit, not immediately, mm-hmm. it, years. I mean, because you don't heal a gut overnight by any means. You don't fix something that you've spent 27 years dealing yeah. with, right? Mm-hmm. And so that I have definitely seen an improvement. I was able to decrease medication dosages because of that. That has made a difference in other things, energy levels, and that all affects how depression makes you feel too. Right. Well, and a lot of, I think those products probably help the side effects of the medications. Absolutely. And I, it's like too, you learn self-care things that aren't selfish, right? Mm-hmm. Saunas, detoxing that way, the detox bath, those are all things that recharge you and you can either like either make you feel more set. I mean, I know people that a a relaxing bubble bath like brings them to tears. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you need a good cry when you're depressed or sometimes it's just like, okay, this is peace. This is a stillness that I can control right here in this moment. Mm -hmm. So it's different. Okay. Let's talk about the just general feelings around it. Okay. Just all the feels from when you feel what your triggers are, when you know that you're there and just kind of how you handle the emotions and the feelings that when it comes on. So one of the first things that I notice when I'm going through a season is I start to withdraw. I stop replying to text messages. I stop wanting to go out. I stop wanting to run errands in the middle of the day when the feeling of scrolling is a numbing thing. I can do it. And when I start to like, I get on social media because social media is part of our business. It's also, it's part of our, our health and wellness business, and but it's also part of this podcast. Yep. And when I get on there to handle a task and then I find myself there 20 minutes later scrolling, I'm going, okay, you're numbing. You're not wanting to work. You're not wanting to be productive. It's when I let things go to the wayside, uh, just a matter of like, you don't care. That'll get done. I don't care. I'm not excited about things. I'm not looking forward to something. Every day is just another day. Those are some of the feelings that I can feel when the situation is like when a season is coming on. Like I said, 
the medication is great. It does its job, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have pockets of time where you're in the low and you have to reset and you have to work through it all over again. I mean, like I said, the best thing you can do is be body aware. And so I know those things and I can let the people in my inner circle know, Hey, I'm going through this. Just FYI, give me grace, you know, give me some space. Don't let me stay here, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And those are things that, but again, for my depression, Never once thought about hurting anybody, never once thought about hurting myself. So just because you're not feeling those things doesn't mean you're not depressed. Yeah. Tell us about once you're in it. I've heard you say the words guilt, shame. Oh, you get all of that. I mean, because you feel lazy, you feel unproductive, you feel like you're not contributing to anything. And so then as a mom, as a wife, as an employee, you feel this guilt and shame, like I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. You could, should, would, could yourself all day long of all the things that you need to be doing. And it almost, if you're not careful, if you're not intentional, that puts you further into the hole because then you feel like nobody needs, not that nobody needs you, but it's just like, I'm not even doing this. Like, of course they don't want me in this. Like this is, and you can really dig a hole. I have found a sweet spot. I'd say it where I can go, okay, I'm recognizing I'm in this. And then I just cut those negative thoughts off and just go, okay, I'm just not going to do anything. And that's okay. This is a week where I'm just not going to do anything. And I'm not, I'm going to reschedule things that I need to reschedule. And if I don't have the energy to do something, I'm going to say no. And give myself that grace. How do you, when you're in that sweet spot, you're giving yourself grace, what tools do you have or what encouragement do you have to help pull people out of it? I'd like to say I have that figured out. I'm not, for me, it's a a timing thing. It's based on weather. It's a sunny day. It's getting out in a sunny day, letting the sun shine on your face. If it's your... So much is going on and you have got to walk away for a minute. It can be explaining to your loved ones, like, I need a day where I have no responsibility. And that includes not getting the kids ready. And it's also part of it is telling those around you because they can recognize it. And not everybody's great at it immediately because again, they don't know. They don't know the feelings of it. And so you have to give them, tell them what you need and let them be there for you and say, Hey, I recognize that you're not okay. What do you need? How can I help you? And then it's them checking on you. And that's not something that you can always. Yeah. I think one of the things that I, I can relate to, and this just kind of popped into my head. So not my story, but I did have postpartum. So I can relate to that season of wanting to do something, but not being able to do something and then being upset that my husband wasn't doing it for me. Right. (laughs) You know, and I can relate this to if you don't say what you, what you're going through or what you need, it's not going to be done. Right. People can't read your mind. Right. And when you're sick, like, you know, running a fever or you're vomiting or those kinds of things, it's visible. You're in bed you know, your spouse knows you can't do anything in those situations. But when you're in bed and you just look like you're tired or you just look like your word, not mine, lazy, the explanation needs to be provided of like, hey, like this is still like something you're battling and it needs to be addressed and you need to take care of yourself in that season or else it's just going to exasperate. And 
Two, I, and I can put this link in the show notes for, I was listening to, there's a pastor that I really enjoy and he actually just passed away this past weekend and his name is Steve Farrar and he would do a lot of men's retreats and Bible studies and he has an incredible sermon that he shares that he went through a season of depression for years, like two to three years. And sometimes the hole is that big. And he doesn't necessarily say whether he got on medication or not, but I mean, he shares that like there would be days that he would cry for three to four hours a day and not be able to do certain things. But like sometimes that is the size of the wound Mm -hmm. and you don't know. I didn't know that medication would help the way that it did. And some people want to try for a season where they're not on medication. And if that works for you, do it. But you don't know how long it's going to last. I was hoping that this would be over when my body reset after Juliet was born. So I was hoping I would be done with my medication after 18 months, two years max. Here I am eight years later, still on medication, different medications, and I still go through it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not a two-year thing. I may be completely much longer. I don't know. I eventually would love to be able to get off of medication. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about these emotions, all these feelings, you know, you're currently in the season right now in your marriage, you've walked through this in different levels. How has this affected your marriage? Again, much harder in the beginning because I wasn't, I assumed that Andrew knew what I was going through. Like I'm depressed. That doesn't tell anybody anything because again, we all have these, he's like, well, it doesn't look like she's trying to kill herself. Well, no, that wasn't how I was feeling. That was not how I handled depression. And so again, I've only recently become better about like telling Andrew what I need and telling like, Hey, this is what I'm going through. But again, it's hard. It's still hard to have a conversation and just say, Hey, please give me grace or ask for the words of affirmation because it's a silly question because you need the words of affirmation and you tell me the things that I'm good at. Pick me up. I mean, not literally. (laughs) I mean, maybe that would be cute. (laughs) No, not cute. It's a little bit of a struggle. I don't. (laughs) See, we can bring humor into anything. Yes, we can. Well, obviously, we talked on that. How has it been as a mama? That's hard because you still have to get the kids ready up for going to school. You still have those responsibilities. I don't tell my kids things like this. I don't want this to be something that, not that they're not aware of, but they don't need to worry about mommy in in a way. I'm not ashamed to cry in front of my kids. Mm -hmm. I will do that. And sweet baby Jay will walk over to me and just pet my side, my back, and just be like, it's okay. It's okay. She doesn't ask anything else. And I'm like, that's, you know, and sometimes that's what it is. And you just say, it's okay. Like, and then they say, what's wrong? Mommy's just working through some stuff. Okay. I think it's incredible because it's only showing the side to your girls of, Hey, we have good days and bad days and we have to work through things too. Yeah. It's relatable even to a eight year old. Yeah. They're going to have hard days, friendships, homework, just being sad because they didn't get to go for a play date, but they can see, Hey, we have sadness and they can have sadness and it's okay. Right. And that's, again, I don't hide the crying for my kids. So they can see it's okay to cry. I should have asked this earlier when you were talking about the sermon that you heard, because I I listened to part of that as well. So I want to ask as a Christian woman, and your relationship is super strong with God. Have you been in moments where you're like, God, why? why? Like, why am I dealing with this? Do you ever feel like he's left you? Like, let's be honest. Yeah. 
there's definitely when you're in depression, there's a quietness. You feel not abandoned, but you just feel in the dark. Like, why isn't God talking to me? And that can be hard depending on how long that darkness lasts. For me, my faith has only gotten stronger in the last, I'd say, 10 years. I can see I'm at a point in my faith where I can look back. I can look so far back to where I had pitfalls, where I had discouragements, where I had moments of sadness and and disappointment. And I can see every single time how God provided and what came out of that season, what became because of that season. And so it's that stuff like that I cling on to knowing that if he got me through that, he'll get me through this. And it's, I can't, my timing is not his timing. Yeah. I mean, he's using it now. He's using your story now. He's going to continue to use your story as you further through sharing and educating and growing and just being real. And obviously this, we've said it numerous times, this is an act of obedience in doing this podcast. I mean, you felt very led to share this side of your story with everybody because again, you aren't alone. And people who are listening are not alone. Let's, before we wrap up, we didn't even talk about this earlier and I meant to. How has the pandemic in the last two years affected your depression? Have you had different, you know, seasons with it during that time? Is this the first that you've experienced it in the last two years? No, I think when the world shut down and I realized my kids were not going back to school, I think that hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. I cried for days and I felt horrible horrible because there was that sense of unknown, but I felt horrible because my children were going to be home and there are women everywhere that would love to have their children home with them on all occasions. And so I, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So there was definitely a dark season of that. I think I remember you coming over Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Still, it was when everything was locked down. It was just dropping something off. Yeah, clothes or something and picking something up or whatever. And I literally saw you and you were just going to drop it off at the porch because, again, we didn't know what we didn't know at that time about COVID. And I opened the door and I was like, oh, my God, can I hug you? (laughs) This was before we had seen anybody. (laughs) Exactly. And I just it was just like that. Sorry, friends. (laughs) Yeah. But sometimes you just need a hug. And that was hard. And, and I think that I bring this up because I do remember that moment. I know that moment from way more than just you. So many, I mean, I don't deal with depression, but there was so much sadness in the beginning of that pandemic for so many people. And it's, And people are still there. They're still stuck in it. They're still resonating with it because when you get into something or you are, again, just in the darkness or have this fear or have this sadness, it is so hard to come out of it. And we know that our podcast has covered in many different places all around the world. And this message is for everyone all around the world. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. Like this is the one thing that we all have in common over these last two years is that the world shut down. 
And for some people, the world is still shut down and it's only gotten worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can watch the news, which please don't watch, please don't watch the news, but you can watch the news and just see how there are people that are just trying to go outside to have a cup of coffee at their local neighborhood shop and they can't. And Lord, I don't know how I would handle that. There's just so much heaviness that has come out of that season. So obviously going back to that first part of the pandemic, you experienced a very, you know, deep low and came out of that because obviously we've been on trips and we've had a lot of great experiences this last two years. You know, I, I want to get to the point of your overcoming, because even though you're in the midst of it, you have overcome it time and time again, and you know, you will again. So let's give some hope to some that need it. Absolutely. Because this is, yes, I deal with depression. Depression does not define me. Amen. Nor does it define you or anyone else or anybody that you know that is going through it. Whether it is a postpartum depression that turns into clinical depression or moderate depression that turns into major depression, it does not matter. Depression is different for everyone. The other thing is that you are not alone. I have learned that. And there are resources out there for anybody, even on the lower scale. There are things that you can do to help you handle the depression. And again, for everybody that is different. And I'm definitely, if this is something that resonates with you or you'd like to know more about, you're more than welcome to DM me or message me. And I'd be happy to share what has worked for me personally. But again, God has never left you. He will never forsake you. So he already knows. He knows the pit you're in. He knows the pit you're going to get in. He knows the valley. He knows all of it. He knows the depth. He knows the width. He knows all of it. So embrace that. There is a God that loves you, who knows all of those things, that has allowed that for you. Why? I couldn't tell you why. For me, I would not have been able to share this two years ago. I wouldn't have been able to share this probably a year ago, even. I think six months ago, I just stopped caring. (laughs) (laughs) What other people think, not caring in general. Yeah. So you can, there are things to help you. There are people, your inner circle loves you. They love all of you and don't sell them short. And last Last important question, because I think this is what will encourage anyone who's going through this to open up. Does this make you feel vulnerable sharing this side of you? And why have you done it? So there's a thought with having a podcast in general that it can be a place where you quote unquote share your dirty laundry, right? Mm -hmm. So many of us now, people share their dirty laundry all over social media and that's dangerous. There are certainly things that you and I will never share here on this podcast. Right. But this is something that I really felt people are not talking about. You only hear the worst of depression. You only hear the suicide depression. You don't hear the moderate. You don't hear the anger. You don't hear what that is in the middle. And 
I feel like this is one of the reasons that God, he's given us this platform for a podcast is because I can speak on depression. I'm a very upbeat person. I love to make people laugh. Y'all can tell that this is a very different podcast than our usually chipper, mm-hmm. haha, funny stuff. Yeah. And even that person can get down. So I, that's okay. And that's okay. And, and I will bounce back and the next podcast, I'm probably going to be back to my normal self, you know, and I'm going to be thankful for that because that's my personality type. And I enjoy that. I rather be there than here. Yeah. But while I'm in this, I knew that there are other people that needed to hear this and maybe just know that it's not just you being lazy. It's not a feeling of being unproductive or unmotivated. It's not that season for you. You know, what you may be dealing with is depression and that's completely different than feeling lazy. Yeah. And I just commend you so much on sharing your side of the story. I've learned so much. And just in our texting (laughs) this week, I'm like, oh my gosh, like first off, it's hard to watch a friend go through it when you don't completely understand, but There is a perspective that she has shared that so many people need to hear and that it is okay. So many of our messages is going to resonate the same way that you are not alone. And mamas and housewives and women, you have carried a great load in the last two years. And I know we're not done. And it is okay to be here where you are because we know God is going to use you, use this story, redeem you. And I know, Tori, you will be back to your normal self in no time because I've seen it. I've experienced it. And the message goes to anyone who's listening to this who has felt this too. God will redeem you. He has so much joy and peace. He wants you to feel in your heart. He wants you to experience that for yourself first and foremost. And that's just what we want to encourage is get in prayer, even though it may be quiet and then it may be still, he's listening. And even if you can't pray for yourself, know that God prays for you. Yep. Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. I want to leave everyone with this. Talk to someone. Talk to someone. If you are in the season, talk to someone. If you know somebody who you think is starting to withdraw and to be more hidden and say, hey, you know, is this something that you're feeling? Because if if you're noticing it, other people are noticing it too. But talk to somebody. And can I say, if you say, are you okay? And someone says, I'm fine. Ask another question. Yeah, Not please don't ask if you're okay. Question. Yeah. And pray before you talk to them because I guarantee you, God will give you the words to speak and ask. The last thing I want to leave my depression is a moderate depression. And as I've said multiple times, I've never once thought about hurting myself or hurting others. However, I know that is that is not the case for everyone. I want to leave you with a suicide hotline. 1-800-273-8255. Jot that down. 1-800-273-8255. There is also a crisis text line. Text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. Even if you need to share those resources with somebody else, that is okay. So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. 
and we will see you next week. Remember, you are not alone. Bye, housewives. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow, but living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Find our link in the show notes. Be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, freely, and be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.